Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to everything in the known universe. I'm your host, David. I'm joined by my co-host, Starly. Hi, Starly. Hi. And back again, we're very pleased to see his face with a new scruffy beard this morning from way down in North Carolina, our friend and yours, John Kimball. Hi, John. Long John Silver. Hey, hello, guys. Hey, everyone out there. In podcast land. Welcome back. Welcome back, John. As you may remember, John took last week off. John was not in podcast land last week. John was in reality land. Yeah. But John is back now in podcast land. Is there like a commuter train between podcast land and reality land? Like, what's your route? Hmm. We take a left at Mealbox Service Way. (laughs) And then we go through the... Through the men's clothing box forest, <laughs> deep into the night, and then a sharp right over Patreon River, and then we, uh, and then the, and then the bridge opens up into the, the, the fields of television development deals, and then you're in podcast land. Don't forget the sea of skylines. The sea oh, of yes. skylines. We eat skylines like an ice floe. John, what's going on with your parents? Give us an update on your mom and dad. I am. Uh, Pleased to announce that my dad is home from the hospital, uh, which is great news. And my mom is also on the mend. In fact, she will be out of quarantine tomorrow. So I don't quite know how that works. It's not like they test you again. They just kind of say, you're good to go. Um, so she'll be out and about tomorrow without a mask, running everywhere, kissing everyone. No, she w- <laughs> but she, so oh, she'll be you out of quarantine had me for a second. You really right. got me for a second. Yeah, I was like, that doesn't sound like Mrs. Kimball. <laughs> no, it's uh, so she'll be out walking the dog probably, and maybe only wearing one mask instead of two. Uh, my dad is still in quarantine. He is he's at home. He's on oxygen still. Uh, supplemental oxygen. What does that mean? Does he have like an oxygen tank with him like you see? He does. Like uh, that he wheels around with him? Yep. Okay. And I, I I think he has a, a machine as well. I mean, I haven't been in the house. So, and he's only been home for a couple of days. Uh, but I think he's got a machine in the bedroom and then, uh, you know, a number of oxygen tanks, including maybe one that works if the power goes out or something. My dad is not in a situation where if he's off oxygen, he's going to drop dead or something. He, I think he needs his oxygen, but um, he's just sort of in this area where we don't quite know how long it's going to be or how much he needs. In fact, e- even the nurse said, look, if you don't feel like you need it, maybe turn it off and see what happens. I, I don't know if I'd do that, but... Um, they said, you can do that as long as you're just monitoring it. And if your oxygen drops below 95%, then you should probably turn it back on. How do they, re- how do they refill it? Is, it? is it a finite supply of oxygen in the tank? And then you yes. have to put new yes. cartridges in? Yes, something like that. And I wish I had more information about it. And these are questions that I ask you know, my dad as well. And he's like, oh, I don't know. The home health person came. But they, they have a pretty good infrastructure outside of the hospital now. They didn't have this six months ago now where they can get you out and they, they've got home health people that come by and bring the tanks. Mm. And I don't know, as my dad said to me, if I, if I can't figure it out, I'll just go on YouTube. Your dad, your dad becomes like a YouTube addict. Yeah, John's dad gets COVID and then comes out of it completely alt-right, <laughs> completely black-filled, <laughs> number one Jordan Peterson fan. 
John, I just think he has a lot of good points about how... <laughs> no. I have a question for you. How do they monitor the oxygen levels? Just with a pulse oximeter, um, which you can buy, you know, through Amazon or any other retail. And what is that? What is that? It is just something you put on your finger that measures your, you know, your oxygen level in your blood. And it, it does it through like a laser or something. <sighs> Signs and wonders. Yeah. I mean, I, I bought one for myself. I did it this morning. You know, it's I'm at 98%. That's about normal. When you wake up in the morning, it's usually a little bit lower. Um, and I believe my dad is is around 95% right now with the supplemental oxygen. And your dad got as low as what? Was he in the low 90s when at his worst? I, the worst that I, I think he was at that we knew of was 92 or so. And that's while he was receiving oxygen. And then that was when they made the decision to send him to the ICU. He had remdesivir and uh, a steroid and everything, and he still wasn't responding. So they sent him to the ICU, and within 24 to 36 hours in the ICU, he was in the ICU for about four days, but within about a day and a half to two days, he really started showing improvement. They had him prone and doing exercises, and he just... Yeah, I mean, I think that's what he needed, or it was thoughts, prayers. I don't, I don't know what it was, but things turned around for him pretty quickly once he got to the ICU. And then by Wednesday of last week, they were able to step him down to a lower unit, a progressive care unit. And then uh, he stepped down from that after a couple of days to just the regular COVID ward again. And, and at that point, they were like, we need to get you out of the hospital because they're getting overrun with patients that are much sicker than he is. Any listener, any of our listeners out there who might in the next couple months have a parent who has to deal with COVID, do you have any advice for them? Either logistical, practical advice or emotional, psychological advice? Like what did you take away from this experience, both your mom and your dad having COVID? I mean, it was, I, I'm, I'm thankful that I am, that my sister was there for one. I mean, the two of us were able to, you know, share the burden. My sister probably did more than I did, uh, just coordinating and, and getting out a lot of information to family. So I think it's good to lean on whatever support you have. Um, we've since set up a meal program with, you know, a lot of folks from my parents' church. I think my my advice would be to just try to uh, have as much of a relationship as you can with the caregivers in the hospital, talk to them, and also to be patient. Uh, you know, there were a lot of times where we couldn't talk to people and the, or the doctor wasn't calling when he or she said they were going to, but you just have to recognize that they're in a, um, a triage-type situation. I mean, it's a, a war that they're, they're dealing with. So you you kind of have to have faith. Before my my dad got in the hospital, I was I I, I I didn't feel that great. I didn't I wasn't sure that they were aware of how sick he was. But once he got in the hospital, I was very confident that he was being taken care of. Um, yeah, I just I just want to thank everybody uh, also for reaching out and um, you know all the letters and. DMs, emails, just whatever, texts. It it meant a lot to feel it, that love. It just for me, uh, but it also meant a lot 
to my parents, my mom, sick at home by herself, dealing with this. And, and my dad in the hospital, once he got to the point where he was aware of what was going on, it just meant a huge um, amount to him to, to hear people from all over the country and all over the world just reaching out. And uh, also, David and Starley, I want to thank you guys. You, I, you did a great job last week, and that really lifted his spirits. He had a, he had a lot of laughs about that. And I, I, I think it's going to be a long process. I don't know how long it's going to take for him to get off the oxygen or if he'll need, you know, other type of occupational therapy. But we, we expect he's going to have a full recovery. Nice. But it, 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 it may be several weeks. It could be several months. Um, and, you know, my mom is still <laughs> recovering as well. What part did he laugh at the most? Yeah, who does your who did your dad like better, John? Me or Starley? Who did who who is he laughing at more? Uh I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We I, all know your dad hates me and thinks <laughs> I'm an idiot. No, That's fine. No, my dad loved the thriller part. Um, he thought that was funny, talking about thriller. But he listened to the pod at like 3 a.m. because he was, you know, his days are, you know, all mixed up being in the hospital. Did he order any um merch? Electron Profit Makers t-shirts, totes, mm, hoodies. Yeah, if he if he goes to bit.ly slash EPM style, yep, he can he can get some, or maybe he's got some coming for the holidays. I don't know. We'll see. He, or he didn't order the whole them for the whole hospital staff. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that would be such a great gesture for your dad yeah. to do that, John. Everyone, all those frontline medical workers would be like, "Oh my god, it was all worth it." To get this amazing T-shirt with all these references that I understand. <laughs> oh, well, John, it's great to see you uh, back on our podcast again. Yeah, it's good to be back. I'm really relieved about your parents. It was a shitty couple of weeks, if you ask me personally. It was scary. Yeah, it, it, it is scary. And I think, you know, you guys made a point of talking about how my parents were so conscientious and, and doing all this stuff. And, and they have been. They've been as conscientious as anyone else or, or maybe even more so. But that doesn't necessarily mean that my parents didn't take risks. Um, you know, I mean, we, we mentioned that we were all going to get together on, on Thanksgiving. Um, and it wasn't many of us, and we were going to be outdoors and socially distant, but that could have been a disaster uh, had my dad not shown uh, his symptoms earlier. Yeah. David also, we, he made it a cliffhanger to find out how your parents got it. Um, and so uh, there's all these oh, listeners okay. out there who knew to, be, to take caution but don't know. I'm just assuming all of our listeners didn't leave the house for last week because they don't know where it came from. <laughs> Right. John, tell us your theory. Tell us your theory. Okay. So um, immediately when uh, my dad tested positive, the the Durham County Health Department and the Orange County Health Department was there, you know, trying to contact Trace and figure this out. Uh, you know, where have you been? My dad had been to Home Depot. He'd bought some, uh, you know, plants. And then I found out, and this was something I didn't know, that my parents had been going a couple times a week to the UNC Healthcare Gym. I believe it's associated with UNC. 
Now, they were not in a, like a small workout room doing heavy, intensive uh, cardio. What they had been doing is walking around this track uh, in a sort of an open gym-like area a couple times a week while wearing masks. And my dad said that he remembered at one point seeing somebody like working on a workout bike on the edge of one of these tracks without a mask on. So he reported that to, you know, the health department as well. And, you know, I immediately thought, well, that's where he got it. You can't be in a gym, uh, especially if there's somebody with a, you know, not wearing a mask. But it turns out that incident was like three weeks ago. So it wasn't that. But the Sunday before Thanksgiving, my parents were at that gym and they were going to walk on the indoor track and they said, we're going to close early. So they went outside to walk on the outdoor track. And then when they came back, the gym had closed and their keys were locked in the gym. Uh, so they called my sister to come pick them up, which again, that, that would be risky to ride with my sister. Uh, she didn't pick up. After that, they called a neighbor who lives uh, sort of across the street from them in the neighborhood. They either didn't call me because my car is a piece of crap or I just live further away, but they didn't call me. And this neighbor, um, I'll, I'll call her Sally. She said, Sally said, yeah, yeah, I'll come pick you up. And my, my mom said, well, I know your son is there visiting mm. from uh, Indiana. Here's where the music kicks in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the TV recreation. And... Uh, Sally says, uh, oh, no, no, he's, he's left. He's left. He's, he's headed back home. Now, this couple, Sally and Bill, they're way more conscientious than my parents. Uh, Sally's the same age as my parents in, in the mid-'70s, but Bill has had uh, some health issues, and he's in his 90s, actually. So since this whole thing began, they have been incredibly careful and never go anywhere. Not that my parents have any interaction with them, but as you can see, they're about to have some interaction with them. But in the week before Thanksgiving, their son visited from Indiana and spent four days in the home with them. He did get tested for COVID and he was negative, but he's left to head back. Sally comes to pick my parents up. They all get in the car and they ride in the car for three to five minutes back to the house with their masks on and the windows down. Short ride. Yeah. So actually, at first, my parents didn't even remember this car ride. Uh, a couple days later, Sally gets sick. And then a few days after that, my dad gets sick. So immediately, we know that there's a connection between them and my parents. We don't know what it is. Did my parents give it to them because they got it from the gym? Did they get it just like with the dogs playing with one another? And then we remember, oh, they, they had this car ride together, clearly. My parents gave it to them, them, or, or they gave it to my parents. Even with all the windows down and everybody wearing masks in the car? Yes. Everyone wearing masks and the windows down. And a short car ride. You said it was only a few minutes. It's not like they drove to Maine together. <laughs> it's right around the corner, but the car's tight. Hmm. So my guess, and again, I'm not an epidemiologist or any, any of that, so, but my guess is that Sally rode over and she didn't have her mask on while she was in the car. And she's breathing all of this COVID 
and it's just in the air, it's in the AC, whatever. She gets there, she puts on her mask. My parents have their mask on, they roll the windows down. It's either on the surfaces or it's somewhat in the air at that point. And it was enough, my mom sat right behind her. My dad sat right beside my mom and sort of had a direct shot to Sally. Mm -hmm. And he was the one who picked up the bulk of it right away. That means that your parents didn't give it to Sally. I think Sally gave it. I think Sally gave it to John's parents. She did. Or Sally's car. Sally's car oh, might have been out. Did Sally's car go to an orgy? Well, she, no. <laughs> she was the last person that you would imagine. But my parents took a risk, you know, by getting in this car with her. Uh, and and on paper, they probably would have taken more of a risk by getting in a car with me or my sister because we have way more interaction with other people than mm-hmm. Sally and Bill. But Sally and Bill did have interaction with their son. I would, I would, my immediate impulse is to blame the son, this lousy, no good son from Indiana, traveling over the holidays, bringing in that Indiana infection to North Carolina. Exactly. No, same, same with me. Uh, it turns out that he ended up getting sick about a week later. Oh, he got it? He got it. And so when he Jeez. got it, we thought, wait a minute, if he got it, then there's no way it could come from my parents because he had already left. Right. Remember, my mom called. So if he got it, either he gave it to his parents or his parents gave it to him. But because he came down with it a week after his parents did, we know that it wasn't him. So uh, Sally tried to figure out what had happened. She never goes anywhere, but she had gone to a couple of grocery stores in the days leading up before her son came to town. She was stocking up the pantry for a son's visit. This is how a mother can express her love. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And we all go to grocery stores all the time. And still, when we're trying to figure this out, I'm like, no way. She did not pick this up at uh, you know the Fresh Market or Trader Joe's or Harris Teeter or wherever she had been. She clearly got it from her son. But at this point, we found out the two grocery stores she'd been to, and my sister suddenly has this memory. She says, wait a minute. I got an email from one of my friends a week or so ago who had been advised by their friend who works in this particular grocery store. I mean, I, I can go ahead and just say it. it was Trader Joe's here in Chapel Hill. And now, see, I got to check out. This is just getting too real for me. This is like, you're taking away my family right here. You're casting aspersions on my extended family, the Trader Joe's staff. No. The only humans I see. Oh. But no, truth, no, no, no. truth will out. We're right. We have to, we have to see this through. We have to be, yeah, okay. we have to be a scientifically objective. Right. So she's been to a couple of grocery stores. One of them's uh, called the Fresh Market. It's much bigger. The other one is called Trader Joe's. I can tell you that I've been to Trader Joe's maybe once since the pandemic began. I never liked tr- the how crowded Trader Joe's was even before the pandemic. It gave me it made me a little nervous. Since then, I've been like, eh, I don't, I don't want to deal with it. It's been a point of tension between you and David. Mm-hmm. It's going to rip this friendship apart. Right. It's north and south. Brother against brother, traitor against traitor, Joe turns against Joe. But still, I still didn't think that's where she got it. So my sister looks at this email, and it's from this employee who says, I'm sending this out to you, and I want to just let you know that we've had a major outbreak here at Trader Joe's. Six employees had come down with COVID that week, in those several days where my parents' friend Sally actually happened to be there. She also mentioned, and again, I can't verify this, 
But she also mentioned that there were four employees at this uh, Trader Joe's that were wearing face shields but not face masks. Wearing the transparent plastic UFO thing but but not the mask. Oh, Trader Joe's, Trader Joe's. If that is true— They gained. That's a, you know— uh, that's dangerous. But again, I cannot verify this. And I'm not necessarily going to say that Trader Joe's did anything worse than any other grocery mm-hmm. store. Yeah. Because it could have been that she picked this up at Fresh Market or Harris Teeter or any of these places. Well, also, a bunch of employees getting sick at a grocery store does not does not necessarily mean that the grocery store or the employees have done anything wrong. It means that they are at risk. They, they are the most at risk all the time. Absolutely. I just heard a story over the weekend that I felt like really illustrated how people are regarding people working during this. My friend went into a Starbucks, and there was a girl working there, and she had her mask on, and she was very, very shaken up. She was crying, and he was like, what's wrong? And she said, a woman was just in here, and she wasn't wearing her mask, and I told her to put a mask on, and the woman said, why? No one's in here. And so the girl was crying because she, like, it was so, it was so obvious that because she was, she was invisible to this entitled customer, right? Yeah, she's like, I'm in here. There's no one in here I would ever re- think about. So why would I put on a mask? There's only these employees standing on the other side of this counter. Yeah, I'm only talking to one right now. That's grim. Yeah. Ugh. So she could have just gotten unlucky. She could have been among a number of people that got infected. It could be that she wasn't infected at this Trader Joe's. But it seems just likely that it was one of these couple of places that she went and picked it up. And then my parents made a, a you know, if they hadn't locked their key in the in this place, none of this would have happened. It would have ended with them uh, and their son. It doesn't take much. It does not take much. It doesn't take much to get in a scary situation. What was the what was the email the email from your sister's friend saying about Trader Joe's? It had come from a Trader Joe's employee, someone that worked in the neighborhood. Not from Trader Joe's uh, management. No. Trader Joe's kept it under wraps, right? Well, here's the deal. I immediately said and David, you said the same thing that I said was if Trader Joe's had known that there'd been an outbreak among their employees, why didn't they do like a reverse 911 call to all the people that had, you know, been in their store? Um, and Jennifer immediately said to me, they don't have that information. You know, like at certain grocery stores, you know, they have like a, a customer care card that you scan right. every, every time. So they have that type of information. But Trader Joe's doesn't have that. Trader Joe's prices are so low that you don't need customer loyalty cards because we customers are loyal because the prices are so great. But you're right. That means that we don't have a little card with all our biometric data that we scan at checkout to get 5% off. I never thought about that. But why wasn't there? But there was a a 365 by us, David, where a bunch of employees got COVID. And that was a um, article of some kind. Like I read about it. I don't know if that was because someone said that the employee, like they, someone tipped the press or it didn't seem like 365 closed or anything changed but I at least knew that there was a bunch of employees that got sick. Right, and I think that's how it's getting out. And and that's why this Trader Joe's em- employee had reached out to my sister's friend, and then my sister's friend had given it to her and told other people in the neighborhood saying, listen, I'm going to let you know this is what's happening. If you are bringing your children to Trader Joe's or whatever, 
or you have plans over the holidays to see elderly people, I wouldn't recommend it. And then she even put a link saying, I would appreciate it if you contact the Orange County Health Department and advise them. And in the email, it also said, our manager here is doing an amazing job. He's doing everything he possibly can. We really, right, yeah. we don't know what else we can do. And, and like I said, the few times I've been in there since the pandemic had began, I never saw anyone not wearing a mask, but I always did see the, the employees standing like shoulder to shoulder. It's just so crowded in there. So it didn't exactly surprise me. Yeah. I've been to, I think I've been to four or five different Trader Joe's in LA, not to brag, but I kind of do like exploring the different um, Trader <laughs> Joe's in the region. Each one has very small differences and you have to be very finely attuned to these these differences at the Trader Joe's stores. You mean in like client, in customer or in offerings? In mise en scène. <laughs> <laughs> so the contact tracing is interesting to me that they... When someone, so is that what happens every time someone gets COVID now? The health department comes mm-hmm. and they get on the case? Well, they need to, well, the health department needs, needs to go knock on that Trader Joe's door, it sounds like. So according to the email, they did a huge, you know, they shut down and they did a huge deep cleaning uh, that night. So maybe everything was solved. But for those 24 to 48 hours before they knew, things were not solved. And that's probably how this works every day in multiple stores and interactions all the time. <sighs> I don't, okay, so the car thing, the in the in the car, is that how it works? Where it's just in there? Like if you, if someone with who has COVID, who doesn't know they have COVID yet, they like to breathe and it stays in the closed area? I used to think it just fell like drops of rain and that if someone wasn't wearing a mask and they breathed, the COVID would fall to the ground and I would just wait 10 seconds and then I could walk through that airspace and it wouldn't matter. And that's what everyone but COVID thought. COVID sticks, COVID just hangs around in the air. Out, indoors. Outdoors, COVID will will stick around in the air, but it just dilutes so quickly. But if you are in an indoor area, in a home particularly, less so in a large business, but particularly in a home or a vehicle, that COVID is sticking around and it's thick. Even with those windows open and all that all that air rushing through? Oh, COVID. Do, do they know if other people got sick from being at Trader Joe's that week? That's the question. That's what we need you and your sister no. to research. And that and and in the, the Orange County Health Department probably has that information. I don't know if they're gonna give us that information. I'm joining the. I'm going to join the Orange County Health Department. <laughs> Is it too late? Can I get it? Can I? Can I apply for a job on LinkedIn? I'll get my resume in order on LinkedIn. Right, Starly. It's fascinating, though, right? Of course, yeah. I was fascinated too, and I think it probably ended with my parents. Luckily, my dad got sick on Wednesday night, so you know this was Sunday. He got sick on Wednesday night, but Wednesday in the afternoon, my daughter was in their house briefly, although she didn't really have an interaction with my dad. And then she interacted with me, obviously, after that. So my daughter and I were theoretically at risk for a while, but we we both were negative. And in those few days before, uh, from Sunday to Wednesday, my dad had gone to, like, the Home Depot. You know, of course, he wore a mask, and I think probably most of the interaction he had in the Home Depot was in the outdoor area. Garden area. But it's possible that he could have 
passed it on to somebody, you know, in that storm. But what about Indiana? That Indiana what was a false, son? that was a dead end. No, that no, was a no, dead no, end. No, no, he got it. No, no, he has I it. I don't so. know. Uh, I don't know if Durham County followed up with Indiana. But he got it. You said, you did say he was sick, he did. right? He did get it. And he got it after, they realized he had it after he left. So he had COVID and went back to Indiana. I'm saying, I'm not saying he got it from Indiana. No. I'm saying he could have taken it on the, he took it on the plane. He was sick I with th- COVID. I believe, he, I believe he drove. Okay. And it's also possible that he didn't get the COVID until he returned to Indiana. He might have it rolled is, up. It is, but I think that's unlikely, David, because he was, he was uh, with his parents for four days in the home while Sally would have been at You her. think he took COVID from North Carolina to Indiana? This is precisely yeah, why yeah. they told us not to travel. Exactly. Yes, that's what I'm saying. He got it for oh, his- for pity's sake. It crossed state lines. Oh. I can tell you, though, that this morning, this morning I went over to my, to my parents' house and, and walked the dog um, mm-hmm. for them. And uh, Great. So now Starley and I have COVID? Yes. That's what you're telling yes. us? Yeah. <laughs> They let the dog, the dog comes out on the patio, I get the dog, and then I walk the dog, and then I, you know, detoxify after that. But after, after I'd walked the dog, it's the first time in 10, 14 days that I've been into any store. I, I, I drove home, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to stop and get some five-hour energy. And I walked into the local mini-mart, and there were, there were only three customers in there, plus the, the guy who owns the place. And two of the customers weren't wearing masks. And you just got so happy, I assume? (laughs) I didn't say anything. I I was just like, really? Seriously? Did you at least give them a little patronizing head shake? Like, oh, you poor schlubs. Wait till you've been through what I've been through. I I did say something to the owner when I finally got up there. What'd the owner say? Uh, He said, yeah, he he, he validated my, my feelings. I was at the post office a few days ago mailing some important items and, um, you know, socially distanced uh, line with everyone wearing masks, except for one customer speaking, having a lengthy conversation with one of the clerks at the post office, no mask anywhere to be seen. And it was that type of thing where it's like, I mean, this is the killer. And even me, the number one COVID tirade guy. Like, did I say, excuse me, sir, until you're wearing a mask, I must respectfully make a citizen's ejection from this post office. I expunge you from this government property. No, I just sat there like a coward and didn't say anything and just crossed my little fingers and hoped that I wouldn't get COVID from this guy laughing and yucking it up with the postal clerk until he left, you know? But what could you do? At this point, this person is already spreading. I could have just walked out. You could have done that. But in terms of like, okay, so these two young women who were not wearing their masks in the store today, I was like, I could have a conversation with them. But frankly, I don't want them opening their mouths. Right now, they're not saying anything. (laughs) Right. So I don't want I guess this that's true. To, to, to escalate. Just get out. It's not enforced, so. The post office was rough. I was like, really, post office? I should have said something to the clerk when I came up. I should have been like, mm, that's not a good look. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. We, we spent a whole year defending you. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I've never seen anybody in a, in a grocery store without a mask. It's always like in a convenience store where people are just in and out real quick. And of course, I see people outdoors that aren't wearing masks. And as we've discussed in the past, that's not a huge issue for me. Uh, I, I do wear a mask now outdoors at all time. For me, my mask, my mask is my shoes. It goes on when I leave the apartment. I don't care if I'm in my car, in a store, out on a bike, out on a walk. It's if my shoes are on, my mask is on. And if my shoes are off, my mask is off. That is to say, if I'm indoors, 
I'm taking my mask off. But as soon as I step outside, if I'm wearing shoes, I'm wearing a mask. But I think that's a good way to do it, especially since we're so close. Today, this very day, they are delivering the vaccines to the hospital here in Chapel Hill and all over the country. Thank you, President Trump. Thank you, Operation Warp Speed. So for people to just be like, eh, I'll just mail it in these last six weeks. I mean, we're this close. No, 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 no. I know. Stay focused. I like how phone it in has now turned into mail it in because of after our election. (laughs) It's ingrained in us. Oh, yeah. Um, I think there's there's an element of self-sabotage happening and— I can already feel how suspicious people are of the vaccine. And I don't even know if they know why they're suspicious. Like, it just—I found—I find the the way the news of the vaccine has been greeted so um, confusing to me. No one seems relieved. People are too fucking tired and burnt out to be relieved, don't you think? I'm relieved. I, I'm relieved, too. The fatigue, I understand. What worries me is that there seems to be even more suspicion and conspiracy theory. The conspiracy theory stuff that immediately greeted it, that's what makes me so tired. Right. And also, if you take it, it doesn't necessarily stop the spread. You know, even if you take it and you're immune from the disease, it doesn't mean you're immune from continuing to spread it around. So, but it's it's still good. It's still good. Yeah. It's good. And and I think it's going to happen faster than... They are saying it will, like, I think they have to be extra cautious now and saying it's going to take half a year for it all to get out. It's not based on anything other than just a lifetime of being told restaurant wait times are longer than they actually turn out to be. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And we're all going to be given buzzers, and we're going to get buzzed when it's our turn. Oh, yeah, the logistics are going to be flawless for this vaccine rollout. I can just Mm. tell. The system is working (laughs) Like a well-oiled machine, and there's going to be no issues or bumps along this road to mass vaccination. Mm -hmm. So we hope now that the Kimball family COVID drama is more or less concluded and they can end 2020 with good health and in high spirits. Yeah. Thanks to the support of the Election Profit Makers listeners. They're free to give you, like, topics that they find funniest for us to— talk about on future episodes as they, you know, Oh, you're going to give them a producing credit now? Now they're part of the, no, we'll see. We'll, let's, let's see how things go, Starly. Let's see how things go. Calvin Coolidge and John's parents. Now, John, you were gone last week. And in that period, I lost a lot of money. So I actually, although I feel very happy for you and your parents, I do want to take you to task a little bit because there were some positions you told me to take on Predict It. And I took those positions and you said they were very wise positions to take. And now I'm suffering, I'm suffering losses. I wouldn't describe them as catastrophic. I would describe them as concerning. Huh. And we want to put this in context that we're recording this on Monday, Monday morning, while the electoral colleges or many states are actually casting finally their much anticipated electoral college votes for president. This is the day that Trump has been dreading. This is the day... I'm sure a sea monster was supposed to be released in some other form that we haven't seen yet. They're actually starting to vote in the Electoral College. So I have some positions in those markets that are very concerning. And then, of course, the Biden cabinet markets. I'm going to tell everybody right now, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, you need to fucking 
you need to go work at Trader Joe's because if you get a job in this Biden administration, in this cabinet, I'm sunk like a skunk. John, you said that when I bought no in Will Pete Buttigieg be in the Biden cabinet by March 1st, you said to me that was a very smart position to take. Was it not? No, I'm getting clobbered. He's going to be the freaking Starley's Starley's wish bets Fill against Garcetti. Being I don't even this. know what's going on. Is Buttigieg? Is he? John doesn't read the news anymore. The secretary of the Department of Transportation is going to be fucking Pete Buttigieg running the nation's trains and buses. I can't stand <laughs> for it. I like it. he's got a little cap. Wearing his little conductor's cap. Pull, toot, he's going to pull the bell. Chugga, 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 chugga. Toot, toot. Yep. Buttigieg, Buttigieg, toot, toot. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I can see it. It's such a natural fit for him. He's not, there's people out there. There's probably people out there who've been studying transportation for 40 years. It's their passion, their life's work. And they sit in their office at their university or in their municipal government. And they say, if I could just get into the, that cabinet and be in the head of the Department of Transportation, I'd have so many bullet trains <laughs> flying around this country. People wouldn't know what hit him. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be Pete Buttigieg because he goes on Fox News and zings them. He's getting this based on nothing but youth and zingers. He's going to be like those offices in Pelham 123, those like greasy offices yeah, right. underground. Those he's going to come offices. in and he's going to open the blinds. He's going to let some light in. He's going to put a plant <sighs> down and he's going to he's going to figure it out. I think he's going to do I think he'll be good at it, whatever it is. Really? Whatever you do. Yeah, sure. I think he's good at stuff. Yeah. He's smart. This guy's going to, he's going to say, I know how we're going to save everything. We're going to get private investors and we're going to semi-tribatize all the, you know, he's going to go back into his McKinsey consulting thing. You're right. And just be like, a great way to save money is just to fire everybody. You're right. <laughs> oh, Pete Buttigieg, I, I, I'll have you in my sights if you become the secretary of the Department of Trains, Buses, Boats, and Things That Go. If you become the Richard Scary, <laughs> the secretary of the Richard Scary universe. I don't, I'm mad, John, because I had $70 invested and I'm down $23. And this is a huge part of my portfolio. I can't afford to lose $70 on Mayor Pete. But you're up everywhere else, right? I mean, everyone- No, fin- I'm not. Wait a minute. Everyone finally did capitulate when the Supreme Court came back a few days ago. When they tossed out that Texas lawsuit where Texas was suing all these states for voting for Biden. I mean, there's like 109 Republicans who did not capitulate. No, it was like 126. Right. But the investors on Predict It finally did, although it's sort of come back a little bit. It broke. You're right. This last week was the week reality finally caught up to Predict It. As John left our, as John entered reality, reality caught up to both John and Predict It. At the same time. Yeah. Whoa. But will it, will it catch up to the corporate offices of Predicted and will they pay things out? I kind of think, and I keep being wrong week after week after week after week, that maybe this week, maybe today is the day that they close. Some- no, they're not going to do it till January 6th God. when the vice president has to certify the electoral. This thing has to, this thing by law has to be dragged <laughs> into 2021. <laughs> It's not It's not enough that Biden won by 7 million votes. It's not enough that the Electoral College is finally meeting after 150,000 failed lawsuits by Trump and his crack <laughs> legal team. It's not enough that they're finally certifying the Electoral College votes today or that they're voting today. We have to wait now until January 6th when Vice President Mike Pence will officially certify the electoral college votes or whatever he has to do. That leaves Trump with about three more weeks 
to come up with some new strategy. I got a credit card bill to pay. Well, bro, you better put your credit card on on emergency COVID. I'm not paying this mode like I did a couple months ago. I called my credit card and I was like, yeah, this is not happening right now. And they were like, all right, we understand. It's a very difficult time. If I was like, no, you don't understand. This is not happening right now. All right. There, so if for everyone who thinks that tonight's the night and predict it's finally going to break and pay everybody their money over the results of all these individual state markets and the presidential election, I say no, they're not going to do it till January 6th. And if Trump is filing some other insane lawsuit or saying something else, predicted is just going to keep kicking the can down the road. They're like the Republican co-signers to that insane Texas lawsuit. They're cowed by the Trump and his base. And they don't want to have to ever admit that they made a mistake by acting, quote unquote, too soon, even though the full force of reality is all barreling towards a single conclusion, which is that, yeah, Biden won Georgia. I'm sorry, he did. Biden won Wisconsin. I'm sorry, he did. Biden won the election. Meanwhile, I got, oh, man. So, John, you were gone last mm-hmm. week, and I did the th- type of thing that I don't do. I did the type of thing that you and Starley do, which is try to get into these electoral college vote markets. Why? And um, yeah, I, I, I was I was bored. Aren't those settled? No, the electoral college votes. Oh, you mean you? No, that's happening oh, you right mean now. The actual, not not how? Yeah, not okay, the margins. Right, right, not right, no, right. no, no, no. Oh, okay. How right. many electoral college votes will be cast for Joe Biden? I got in at the three oh six. I figured no funny business. He's just going to get all his votes. 306 pledged electoral college votes, and he's going to get every single one of them. No one's going to do anything goofy or silly or not going to be any kind of protest vote. He's, he won 306. He's going to get 306. Now, that's doing okay. I got 50 shares in that. Well, I can tell you right now, right now, there, we, we have 39 states down, and we do not have any faithless electors yet. So I don't know where that's trading right now, but it's got to be— you might want to get out right now. Why should I get out of the 306 market? It, you said there's no faithless electors, so he's going to get all 306. Well, still, you still got 11 states to go. Uh, so you're saying if it's at 89, I might as well, I might as well sell yeah. now just to be safe. Yeah, depending on when, where you bought it. I bought it 81. I'm going to hold a little while longer. All right. Now, but let's get to this other one, which is much more concerning. John, electoral college votes for Trump. Remember, he's the other candidate in this presidential election. There was a bracket, 232, which again is what the data says he is owed. Mm -hmm. Will he get 232 electoral votes? I bought no because I thought, I'm such a sap. (laughs) Here was my my thinking. I was like, surely after all this legal stuff and him dumping all over the Constitution and just being such a big idiot, surely some Republican elector will will cast a protest vote for the fucking Lincoln Project or whatever. <laughs> so I bought no at um, 30 cents. I thought that was a good price. And sure enough, that has plummeted. Trump is going to get every single electoral college vote he is owed because why would anyone violate any norms to protest Trump. Only Trump is allowed to violate norms. That's a good system to be in, actually. If you're the person who everybody has decided is the only one who's allowed to violate norms, that's pretty sweet. Like, that's pretty, that's a pretty good position to be in. So I guess I don't need your advice about either of those things. One of them I have faith will pay out. The other one I've just decided to lose the money on. 
You become faithless. But then the other one I got into, I got into a third market about electoral votes. How many electoral certificates of vote will be formally challenged in Mm. Congress? John, this was another market. The number of jurisdictions whose electoral college certificate of vote shall be the subject of formal objection when Congress meets in joint session to cast votes for president and vice president. I bought no on none. Smart, right? So you think— I'm betting there will be at least one formal objection. Uh, how, how much did you pay for that? I bought—oh, uh, I, I, it's not that much. I bought 15 shares of no at 68 cents. And it's up four cents. I should have bought more. Damn it. Oh, Johnny. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I have no idea. I'm sorry. John's really like one week in no, reality. And John, no, I lost it all. He doesn't man. read the news anymore. Man. I know, right? <laughs> Everything atrophied. He doesn't know, he doesn't know yeah. anything about predicted. <laughs> I know. <laughs> John's like, predict what now? What? <laughs> uh, making money, betting on uh, catastrophes? Okay, I'm going to take a pass on that. John, get your head back in the game. All right. Get your head back in the game, John. Your parents are fine. Your parents are fine. Okay. Get back to what matters. What's happening with the car? Oh, God. I got to get paid. (laughs) I got to get paid, man. So John is waiting for Predicted to pay out because he has a lot of money tied up in it right now, and he really wants all these markets to resolve. And I'm telling you, bro, you're not getting that car in 2020. I think I might. You're not paying out until 20. I think I might. Really? Maybe I'll put it on a credit card. I don't know, but I think it's smart to buy it in 2020. There's all these good deals and stuff, you know? Mm. And we have gotten a lot of car advice. But look, the last two weeks have been like on hold for me. And so I haven't had any chance to look at the car. Now we've got, now we're 10 days to Christmas and I'm nowhere on that. So the Electoral College is voting right now today as we record this. And also as we record this, it's the first day of early voting in the Georgia Senate races. Let's talk about Georgia. Are either of you in Georgia? I'm in Georgia and I am making money on Georgia for now. I am not in Georgia. I got 70 shares of this Ossoff, John Ossoff. It's so crazy to me because it felt like, you know, when we first started hearing about George, the Georgia runoffs on November 3rd, it felt like that was so far off. The Georgia election felt so far off. I know, right? And now it's like, it started. Now we're back in early voting season. When is it? I don't even know. Oh, John. I forgot it all. <laughs> John, we might have to call your parents and then say, Mr. Kimball, I need you to stop burdening your son with all these health updates. I need his head in this game. You save it for your live journal, Mr. <laughs> Kimball, because John doesn't have time right now. We need John. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so with Georgia, it feels different than than the presidential election. Are we just supposed to give money, but then everything else feels like I'm hearing I'm hearing mixed things about it. On the one hand, people are saying, yeah, you should call. I mean, basically, just do whatever Stacey Abrams says. She's the one who knows. Okay. Just go through the Georgia organizations. Go through the, the individual campaigns. Don't, like, be going through move on and, you know, crap like that. Give your money to the Lincoln Project. Just keep funneling money to the Lincoln Project. That made a huge difference in the election. No. That's where your money should go. No. More zingers. All right, let's do listener questions. Okay. Starley, what does your sweatshirt say? It says, ha, ha, cry, cry, cry. It's from Miranda July's movie, Kajillionaire. <laughs> um, someone says it, one of the characters says it in the movie. Watch it. If you haven't, 
All right, I'll watch it, but I've still got three movies I need to watch this week for our EPM Movie Club. Movie Club is coming back. Next Patreon special episode is EPM Movie Club, and the theme is Lonely in Outer Space. We figured that was COVID appropriate. Yeah. All right, let's do some listener questions, everybody. Now, I need to start off with yet another apology and correction. Last week, I was having a little fun talking about Rudy Giuliani roaming the country going to weird little venues and smearing his boogers on everyone like Gigi Allen. And I said he was getting paid $20,000 a month to do that. I was wrong, of course. It's $20,000 a day. My brain just blocked that that was the actual part of our reality. And so I made up that it was $20,000 a month. So I apologize. I, I, I got to jump in here. What? I, I, I don't even think that's true either. I don't think that was ever verified. I think he wanted 20000 a day. It's probably been reported that he has been paid 20000 a day, but I think that is not correct. You don't think he's clearing $20,000 a day doing this? Nope. Damn it. Then the system is broken. I also need to say the Department of Health and Human Services name correctly because it's like, an egregious. Oh, right. We actually got an audio message from somebody telling us how to say it. Take it away, Starly. His name is Javier Becerra. So I got both his first and last name wrong. Javier Becerra. Congratulations. Hope you hope you kill it. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry for when you were listening to our podcast last week and you heard uh, me struggling through your name. Um, I'll never forget it. Um, I pronounce every name incorrectly. But that one was really over the top. Well, when you get all your news, I mean, if you're not getting news from TV or radio or whatever, then you just see them in the print. You know, it's still not as bad as when I went around all freshman year in college reading sociology and talking about paradigms because I didn't know it was paradigms. Whoo, that was a rough one. <laughs> when the upperclassman down the hall in my dorm heard me talking about paradigms. Oh, he laid into me. It was like it was like Mr. Kimball talking about the best album ever made. I got I got wrecked. Or what about me talking about Tissandaraga or okay, whatever? Let's, the- let's not talk about that right now. You're already on thin ice, John. This is this is very special, and we don't do this very often. And I'm only going to do this once. Rachel asked me to wish Josh a happy Hanukkah because Josh is a big fan of election profit makers. And really, I should have done this last week because last week is when Hanukkah kicked off. But Hanukkah is still going. Much like the prediction markets. Hasn't closed that market yet. (laughs) Yeah. So, Josh, happy Hanukkah. Uh, Dennis, thank you for your nice message. Now, remember last week when Rick G. very generously said that if you accessed our T Public store via his custom bit.ly link, bit.ly slash Randy Alcorn, he would donate $10 per click and give it to charity? Yeah, I remember that. Do you remember listening to that, John? Yeah, I clicked on it a few times. Yeah, well, we broke him, and he apologizes. He bit (laughs) off more than he could chew. So he's just going to donate a flat fee of $1,000 to a charity of our choice. And you know what? Maybe what we should do, we were talking about Georgia earlier. Maybe we should throw more money at Fair Fight. What do you think, John and Starley? Should we tell Rick to give $1,000 to Fair Fight to Stacey Abrams? Yeah, that's very generous. Thank you, Rick G. I would like to know how many clicks he did get. Just so we know how much he's actually stiffing us. I mean, not that $1,000 is anything to sneeze at, but I wonder what it would have been. Did he say just per click? Yeah, he was not th- I, He was not thinking when he, he said— He was not thinking. Yeah. He didn't realize how many listeners we have. He learned. Our listeners, they'll click on anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, having said that, 
You no longer need that bit.ly link to access our wonderful t-shirts and tote bags, which are, of course, perfectly appropriate for this or any other holiday season, but which will be disappearing at the end of the year. The current designs. Our current designs will be disappearing. That's correct. So if you want any of the current designs, click bit.ly slash EPM style. Yeah, that's a good one. This is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about these misconnections. The misconnections scene got really intense this week. The misconnections situation is as follows. Those will remember that when we were in the thick of the ban wars, a listener named Kevin wrote in with a misconnection ban. He wanted to know, are there any other lost souls out there who listen to election profit makers on their own? Then a person who shall continue to remain anonymous wrote in and said, oh, a misconnection. I'm kind of intrigued. Uh, Here's something about me. I'm 23 years old. I'm a feminist and I live outside Philadelphia. Maybe there's a love connection there. We read her misconnection on last week's episode. Starley said, let's make sure that this 23-year-old, I don't know, how would you put it, Starley? What was your concern? I had a few. Um, One of them was that I thought maybe since she was 23, she was thinking the person who wrote the misconnection was her same age. And so I didn't want it to just be like, it just seemed like to be that unknown variable of age concerned me. All right. I was worried for all parties involved. So she wrote in after we read her misconnection follow-up. She said, thanks for reading my love inquiry on the podcast. I was laughing in the car. Thank you, Starly, for worrying about me like my own mother would. I love you, Starly. And then she said, in regards to the worries, if Kevin is over 30 years old, forget about it. <laughs> Anything above 25 is pushing it. Wow. Yeah. Ooh, these kids with these age, the ages are insane over here. I'm I'm lo- I'm locked in. I know how the kids think. Okay, 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 but listen to what happened. Listen to what happened. Oh boy. So then, of course, Kevin, the author of the original Missed Connection, the guy who set this all in motion wrote in after hearing us reading the misconnection follow-up from our anonymous friend, our anonymous 23-year-old friend. Kevin wrote this. Ladies and gentlemen, the roller coaster ride is about to begin. That's me me editorializing. Here we go. Kevin says, well, it's safe to say I responded with shock and surprise when listening to the world-renowned EPM podcast and hearing my misconnections banned from two months ago, getting another shout-out. Dear Anonymous, he says to our correspondent, I am 33 years old. I enjoy spending time with my dog, learning, captivating television, thoughtful conversations, board games, and I'm at that awkward stage where I'm trying to grow my pandemic hair into a man bun, but it's not quite there yet, and also I'm definitely not muscular enough to pull off a man bun, but it's fun to try, right? He says, I absolutely love feminists, which is why upon marrying my wife 10 years ago, We both hyphenated our last names, resulting in my name being so hyper-identifying online that it's scary. What kind of game? He says, wait, what's that? Hold on, let me finish reading this. All right. He says, wait, what's that? Oh, yes, my wife. We're happily married and raising a patriarchy toppling toddler. Perhaps I should have been clearer in the misconnections ad I quickly wrote out while trying to come up with a creative ban. I have already found my soulmate just not one that is interested in listening to a personality-driven election markets podcast. But hold on, Starley, let me finish this. But Trump was defeated, love is out there, and I'm sure you will find plenty of it, he says to our anonymous respondent. 
And if you want someone to text back and forth with as we rant about how fucking insane it is that Biden is still only at 87 cents, I'm your guy. No, he isn't. But now— Don't do that. He says, now I need to go explain this whole thing to my wife who who only knows that there's some podcast I listen to and that I got a helicopter dropping money t-shirt from. Well, friends, the plot, I think it's safe to say, has thickened. It turns out our original Missed Connection donor is happily married and only wanted someone to platonically listen to election profit makers with. Wait, hold on. So so I was worried about us reading his response because I feel like people who actually are not married um, took a lot of, like, solace in that Missed Connection ad, and it was really sweet— and I didn't want it to be, I, it's so, <laughs> it's so, <laughs> so his original, his original, he did at least say in his original, in the misconnection that he, it says, I sadly have no friend or family that I've been able to coerce to listening to EPM after losing my shirt during EPM's earlier season, which shall not be named. So he is saying he's looking for a listener because it's misconnections is why we thought, is why it naturally seems like he's looking for someone to listen with while sharing the rest of his life with. He should have said activity partners because on Craigslist, they have a section called activity partners where it's like, I love to play chess and I can't find anyone to play chess. Anybody out there want to play chess? That was the that was the mistake. The branding. His first mistake. Because the second oh. mistake is clearly how he phrased, the structuring and phrasing of his email. Like the little game that he's playing, sorry, Kevin, but like the little game you're playing with the, um, I'm 33. I love feminists so much so that I married a feminist. You know what you're doing with that email. You know it. Wow, Kevin. You're just no one who's listening who's not going to say that they, you knew what you were doing. He's being a little. You're saying he's being a little disingenuous. He's being a little he's bit being disingenuous. He's being a little coy. He's having a little he's being coy. A little bit, exactly. Yes. And then he makes it worse. The last thing you want to hear if you're single is to have a married man tell you. Uh, but don't worry, you can text me if you want to about um, the podcast <laughs> if you feel like, if you have no one else to listen to. Even right. if he's not being, even if he's not <laughs> yeah, being, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna say, Star I'm gonna give him right. the uh, benefit of the doubt that he didn't mean when he when he said you can text me about listening to EPM that he doesn't that it was in good faith. Even so, if you're single, you don't want to text anyone married about your podcast you're listening to. You want married couples to listen to it with each other or have to listen alone because, like, the fact that the only thing missing from his partnership, from his marriage, from his life, is that he doesn't have someone to listen to EPM, like, that he has to um, outsource it to a single person, that conversation, it's just unacceptable. Mm -hmm. It's unacceptable. Wow. Sorry, Kevin. Starly, you're absolutely right. Okay. That was perfectly said. Thank you. But listen, the drama is not yet done. There was somebody else who wrote in. Not drama, but yeah. Not drama. What would you, how would you characterize it? What is this? Is this a drawing room farce? She, I understand every, where she's coming from entirely. I think Starley is at a perspective where she sees all the angles and all of this exchange and the subsequent discourse. Yeah. I'm just struggling to keep up with all this back and forth. <laughs> and the mother and the daughter both. Right. Whoa. I like that. <laughs> so then... And now I'm addressing our anonymous respondent, who we still are protecting, our 23-year-old friend, who Kevin is now saying, yeah, I'm married, but uh, yeah, you can text me about election profit makers. Hit me up. 
Yeah. <laughs> but I like I liked that she rejected him because she already rejected him by saying, I don't want anyone over 25 and 30 would really be pushing it. So yeah, this guy's rolling in at 33 years young. <laughs> yeah. She, and her email came in before his, so she didn't, she's fine. She wrote us right away, like one minute after you possibly could have finished listening to this episode saying, she's fine. She's looking for a 25-year-old. Yeah, she's going to be fine. Oh, she's going to be just fine. It's Kevin who's just Going to be fucking hurt. <laughs> Kevin's going to have a world of hurt on him. <laughs> but the but the drama continues with this misconnection because Lauren wrote in. Lauren said, I just want to follow up on that misconnection, which I meant to reply to much earlier, but here we are. I'm 36, Lauren says. And Craigslist was a major part of my life when I lived in New York City and before they stopped running misconnections. My primary concern here is that a 23-year-old really doesn't have the history and perspective of the internet and spinsterism to manage an actual misconnections post. That said, I am a nurse living in Philly, so maybe the misconnections person wants to be friends with me at least. It's been a wildly busy and generally unpleasant time, but I've been enjoying the internet 1.0 style messaging as much or more now than I did back then. Although the days of having an eBay boyfriend seem long gone. And of course, best of luck to John's dad. Okay, this is what Lauren is saying. Lauren is saying, listen, 23-year-old feminist, if you just want a pal to text with, I'm a nurse. I live around where you live in Philly, and I would be happy to text with you. And we also would say, She's a nurse, so I hope she's doing okay. And we thank her for, Jesus, everything everything she's dealing with. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. She needs, she actually is someone who needs someone to talk to about EPS. She, Lauren might need a pen pal more than old Kevin does. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. I read all this stuff and I see, and I read that Kevin is 33. I'm like, God, Kevin is so old. I'm 15 years older than Kevin. Like, what am I? If I'm reading Kevin's thing and being like, God damn, 33 is an old man. Kevin's probably aged 10 years listening to us, us dissect his, <laughs> his message. Oh, Kevin. Oh, Kevin. God love our listeners. All right. I say we double down on misconnections. No, we don't. We're done with that. We tried. It didn't. If we do, I'm in charge. I'm in charge. Whoa. Yeah. Send them directly to Starly. DM Starly. That's fine. Okay, one more question. One more question from Aaron in the great state of Utah. He says he's a longtime listener. Thank you, Aaron. He says, first, I want John to know that I appreciate the confidence that he's given me to jump into the election market. John's father is in my thoughts. I Thank hope he's getting back to good health. He says, I have a question for Kid Midas. What guitar pedal do you have that is integral? Is it integral or integral? Is it paradigm or paradigm? Integral. What guitar pedal do you have that is integral to the sound you want to create and could not be replaced with another pedal? John and Starley, what a question. What guitar pedal, when it comes to my bleeps and bloops and my wonderful soundscapes, which are, which are coming on an album which will be released shortly on cassette and available via digital download, this is not a joke. Is that true? Yeah, I've told you that like six times. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. I even sent you the, I sent you the album cover. <laughs> I remember that. 
It's going to be terrific. It's a concept album about the worst summer of my life, the summer 2020. The album is called You Ain't Going Nowhere. A lot of people had really good 20 summers of 2020, so they're not going to be able to relate to that. Yeah, I know, right? I'm a little bit of like a contrarian, though. I and mean, I'm like, <laughs> my attitude is like, uh, guys, actually, when you look at it objectively, this summer kind of blew. So that's what the album is about. <laughs> mm-hmm. The pedal that, that was most integral to making this album— you know what? I have to say, I've mentioned it before, but we have to give a shout out to the Maleco Industries Charlie Foxtrot, which is a granular delay, stutter delay pedal that that DJ Corey Dome, the Kenosha Kid, gave me as a thank you gift for DJing his wedding. This pedal just chops up slices and dices, and it just gives you these terrific stuttering effects. And when you all buy the either cassette or digital download of um, You Ain't Going Nowhere... <laughs> the first solo album by David Reese, you're going to hear that pedal all over it. And it's just, it gives you wonderful textures. Now, it's not the only pedal that was used. Believe you me, oh no, there was a there was a bevy of pedals. And I still have, I still have a lot of pedals. But I would say the Charlie Foxtrot, if you want to make weird stuff, is a good, fun pedal. How many pedals do you have? At this point, we can't talk, we're not going to talk about that. Okay. I've been self-medicating during a difficult year by treating myself to pedals every so often. And some of these pedals I just buy because they're cheap and then I never use them because I realize it's not what I want. Other pedals I buy and they're cheap and I modify them. We had a listener, he very generously sent in a broken Ibanez analog delay pedal, which I actually fixed and then modified. And now it's just a wonderful, weird little pedal. Dennis, I need to thank I need to thank Dennis, listener Dennis, for sending me that broken Ibanez. Dennis, I need to let you know that it has been fixed, modified, and has now assumed the pride of place in my pedal array. So thank you very much for your generosity. You know what we should set up is a misconnection, but for guitar effects pedals, we could have a pedal exchange among our listeners. I'd bet Pod Save America has never even considered doing that. <laughs> Someone would say, I'm in search of a digital delay pedal up to 800 milliseconds. Here's what I have to trade, a ring modulator. Someone else would write back and say, I I seek a ring modulator and all I have to offer is a digital delay. And then me, the pedal yenta, could make this connection happen. There'd be more of that than there are people that you can actually set up with people in this connection. That's the thing is like, there's plenty of guys. There's plenty of guys who are like, who are waiting. Yeah, you think there'll be any uh, middle-aged men getting involved in this exchange? (laughs) I'm a a 42-year-old man who has, wait a minute, I'm a 42-year-old man with a lot of guitar pedals. How is that possible? I'm a 36-year-old man. I'm also a 36-year-old man. What are the odds? <laughs> oh, let me give a shout-out to all my clean, my pedal heads. I'm going to give a shout-out to my pedal heads and just say this. This is just for the strict pedal heads. Only the pedal heads will get this reference. But first, here's my clean tone. Shout-out to Andy. Woo! Andy from Reverb.com, the pedal testing king. Always lets us sample his clean tone before he turns on the pedal. God damn, he would be a good guest. Wow, okay. <laughs> this is a great episode. This is like the most focused episode we've ever done. John, welcome back. You see what happens when you're gone? Yeah. Like, we just don't know what we're doing. No, you guys are awesome. You guys did great. I thought you were great last week. We missed you. Uh, just an update on the the, the electors. We, we've got 44 states down. Still no faithless electors. Not even a one. Not even a one. Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell. You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. We are going to be recording our next movie club episode. 
Long delayed for electoral reasons and family emergency reasons. Lonely in space will be the theme. We figure that's COVID appropriate. So please do your homework. Watch the following movies. Moon, Gravity, which I've never seen, starring Sandra Bullock, and The Martian, starring Matt Damon. Are we watching 2001? John doesn't want to think about 2001. He can't even think about Georgia's Senate race. How's he going to think about 2001? I think he's exactly in the headspace to watch 2001X. Exactly. Yeah, maybe he is actually. John, you might really... I am ready. Okay, good. I'm ready to watch the movies. Yeah. We'll be discussing all those movies and the themes, how they relate to our current situation in in the delightful era in which we find ourselves. Send your election prediction questions and pedal recommendations to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. All misconnections go to Starley. All pedal questions go to David. All investor questions go to John. Election Profit Makers still uh, has this arrangement with Predictit.org. Go to Predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20. Receive up to $20 in matching funds. There's still money to be made. Ask Long John Silver. 46 states down. Ending the year strong. We are the Election Profit Makers. Thank you, of course, for listening. Please, please don't go where you don't have to go, I guess, and wear a mask. And you guys all know that, I suppose. Preaching to the choir over here. Thank you to everyone who sent well wishes to John and his family. It meant so much. I am Kid Midas, the original Wave Rider. I'm saying goodbye, and I'll also say goodbye to my friend Starly. Goodbye, Starly. Bye. And also, I'll say goodbye to John. Goodbye, John. Goodbye. Goodbye.